Good morning. In the passage of scripture that Barbara just read to us, the Christmas story according to Luke, there are three scenes. In the first scene, we're told about the misery in Bethlehem. In the second scene, we're told about the joy in heaven. And in the third scene, we receive an invitation. So let's take them each in turn. In verses 1 through 7, the first scene, we see that Jesus was born in the middle of a war zone. When Luke sets the scene for Jesus' birth with these words, they're not cute. It's brutal. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, those are fighting words. This is raw, ruthless power. Rome has conquered Israel. And now the leader of Rome, who claimed to be the savior of the world and the bringer of peace, he wants to count the number of his subjects so that he can draft them into his war machine and tax them. But ever since King David, God has made it clear in the Bible that people belong to God. They don't belong to kings. And even the chosen king has to refrain from any senses in order to learn to depend on God. In the Bible, it is quite clear by the time you get to this passage that God alone can institute a census. So Mary and Joseph are trekking to the city of David to participate in the very thing, a census, for which God had catastrophically rebuked David. So Mary and Joseph, they know this. They know they're participating in a thing that ought not to be. But they have no choice. They don't have any power. Up to this point, they had lived in the Galilean village of Nazareth, about 60 miles north of Jerusalem. And Nazareth was where Mary was expecting to give birth in the comfort of her own home with trusted people around her. But then, intruding into those plans, comes Caesar's decree. Everyone was required to travel to their ancestral village in order to be registered. No exceptions. Not even for expecting mothers. So Mary and Joseph were forced to leave home and work and synagogue and the trusted midwives of Nazareth and make the long journey south past Jerusalem to Bethlehem where Joseph's people had come from. And and you need to know that this was more than a nuisance. This was a risky and dangerous journey. They must have felt utterly out of control. All their plans for childbirth are being upended by this maniacal tyrant in Rome. And remember, the local government's not much better, right? The local, local governor, King Herod, he is so enraged by the rumor of Jesus' birth that like Pharaoh of old, he orders all the baby boys born in that region murdered. So Jesus was born 
in Bethlehem when it was occupied. He was born in the middle of a war zone, in the killing fields of mass murder. The prophet Jeremiah, when he talked about the birth of Jesus, he he laser focused in on this and he said, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was like the babies born this morning in Bethlehem today. He was born in occupied territory amidst danger and death and the despair and the suffering. Bethlehem was a place at the time of Jesus' birth of wailing and lamentation. The misery in Bethlehem is where the story starts. But then in verses 18 through 14, we experience a divine ambush of joy. Don't miss the juxtaposition. In verse 8, we see the shepherds in the dark night of Roman occupation suddenly blinded by the glory of God. The day has dawned in the night. Like God promised in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. The angel joyfully tells the shepherd that a savior has been born. And then a whole multitude of angels appear and they praise God saying or singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace. That word. In the Bible. It's a word that has a long history. By the time we hear the angels. Declare it to the shepherds. By the time of Jesus' birth. The Bible is made clear. That the goal of human existence. Is that we should dwell in peace. Our relationship with our neighbors should be one of peace. Our relationship with our creator should be one of peace. Our relationship with ourselves should be one of peace. Our relationship with the environment, with nature should be one of peace. But don't misunderstand. This word peace in the Bible, it goes way beyond the absence of conflict. In the Bible, peace is about the ceasing of hostilities. But it's also about the presence of justice. In Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4, it says about this peace that it will include the Lord shall judge between the nations. He shall decide disputes For many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Do you see it? When the Bible talks about peace. It's not just stopping conflict. It's also about the arrival of a judge. Who decides disputes. 
The point of Christianity is that every person enjoys justice, is that everyone enjoys his rights. There is no peace without justice in the Bible. And when the Bible talks about justice, it's talking about the well-being of the weak, the vulnerable, the lowly. If someone is not granted what is due them, if their claim on others is not acknowledged by others, if others do not carry out their obligations to them, peace is wounded. There is no real peace without justice. But justice is not the end of the story. Even justice is not enough. Real peace goes beyond ceasefire. It picks up justice and it keeps going until it gets to joy. Because you know there is a form of justice that can be grim. But in the Bible, real peace, the kind of peace that the angels are announcing, the kind of peace that God is bringing to the world through the birth of Jesus. In this peace, there is an end of hostilities and the presence of justice, and there is also delight. You see, a nation can exist next to its neighbors without war and still be miserable in its poverty. And that's not what the Bible means by peace. To dwell in the kind of peace that the angels announce is to enjoy living before God, to enjoy living in our physical surroundings, to enjoy living next to our neighbors, to enjoy life with yourself. Jesus didn't just forgive sins. He healed people. The prophets didn't simply speak of the end of war and justice. They also spoke of banquets with rich red wine. Listen to this intoxicating description of peace. In Isaiah 25 verse 6, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich Food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. Joy and delight is an indispensable component of the peace God is calling out to these shepherds and the peace that God offers you and me. Jesus is the Messiah of Israel the savior of the world. Only deliverance through Jesus can bring real peace. The end of war, the presence of justice, and the joy of delight. Comprehensive flourishing. Not just a spiritual flourishing or an emotional flourishing, but it goes beyond all of that. Flourishing in our relationship with God, flourishing in our relationships with our fellow human beings, flourishing in our relationship with ourselves, flourishing in our relationship with the environment. And this is why the angels pierce the night of suffering with the announcement of joyous good news. In Jesus, God has sent the Savior 
This is why Jesus is called in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. The Sar Shalom. The Prince of Peace. The bringer of peace, the bringer of justice, the bringer of delight, all wrapped up in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And this brings us to the third scene. It's interesting. In verses 15 through 20, the angel doesn't command the shepherds to go and see Jesus. But he did invite them. And he said, you don't have to be afraid. The birth of Jesus is good news, not bad. And he told them how to recognize Jesus. They'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. But notice what the angel doesn't tell the shepherds. And and the Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't say why the shepherds were chosen. Why the angel was sent to them. All we know is that they were given this message. And then in verse 16, they went with haste to see for themselves. And in verse 17, they go around sharing the good news, trying to persuade other people of this good news. And it's interesting when you keep reading through Luke's gospel, that same pattern reverberates right through to the end. We don't know why Jesus visits some and not others. But we're told time and again that whoever he encounters is invited to enter his kingdom and then to persuasively invite others to do the same. So the same message comes to you now. It is God's Christmas gift to you. Are you in a war zone? Are you in the midst of misery? Is your life like the little town of Bethlehem? Filled with wailing and lamentation. Are you lacking peace? Are you living in injustice? Do you lack delight? God sees in the dark. He sees you. He loves you. He understands. And he is willing to come to you in the darkness of your anger and your sadness and your confusion and the hopeless conflict that you're trapped in. He is willing to come to you in the midst of your unreconciled relationships, no matter how dark you've made your life or have made it for you. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. God himself took on flesh in order to be your Savior and the Savior of the whole world. How are you going to respond to this gift? I love watching Mary respond to it. It says in verse 19, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. To treasure and to ponder. These are highly positive attitudes and actions. This isn't melancholy. 
And it isn't merely logical and intellectual. She isn't stuck in her head. No, this is about descending from her head into her will and emotions, into her heart. This isn't blind faith. This is active. She's doing something. She's not just sitting back and rolling on to the next action. She understands and she experiences what she believes. How will you respond? Are you afraid? Are you afraid of Jesus? Are you afraid of Christianity? Then listen to the angel one more time. Fear not. The gift of Jesus isn't more bad news. It's good news. It's good news of great joy. Jesus is Savior. He is the Prince of Peace. The shepherds ran in haste to see him. How about you? God is still speaking from Luke chapter 2. His message has now come to you. How will you respond? God calls you to give your heart and your full allegiance to his son, the righteous heir to David's throne, the true king of heaven and earth, the Prince of Peace. Will you do that? What are you waiting for? Let's pray.